the F1 show. This is episode three for the 2007 Spanish Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau. And this is uncharted territory for us, actually putting episode three online, but you never did with Formula One, etc. But here we are. And we're happy to be here and excited about an attrition-filled Spanish Grand Prix in which Felipe Massa pulled off a grand slam by claiming pole position, fastest race lap, and the race win, and all in dominant fashion. Hamilton continued to impress by finishing second and take the lead in the driver's championship in the process. Raikkonen, who qualified third, retired from the race with electrical trouble. Alonso kept the Spanish crowd happy to stay on the podium and finish third. Robert Kubica had a strong drive to finish fourth. Coulthard made good use of his Red Bull's wings to finish fifth. Nico Rosberg finished sixth in his Williams Toyota. Heike Kovalainen added two points to his Renault's total, finishing seventh. And an F1 show driver favorite, Kuma Sato, finishes eighth, electing a point for Super Aguri. Their first. Now, this was a race that had a lot of surprises, including eight drivers out of the race. I mean, that's a lot of attrition for a modern F1 uh, race. Including Kimi Raikkonen. That was a real big surprise. When he pulled off, it was just, you know, it, it's really unfortunate to see his Sarah Bad Luck move, following him to Ferrari and uh, to, to have a problem like he did and, and get out of the race. I mean, that's, that's really too bad And because uh, that car's been, been good, reliable. He had a nurse's engine once so far, but for the most part hasn't had any major problems, and here now it's had major problems. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Raikkonen getting out of it, but uh, and it was almost a surprise that, uh, that Lewis Hamilton didn't win. I mean, another second place for him is great, and, or not a surprise, almost a disappointment that he didn't win. Uh, it's, we've, we've got such high expectations for him now, and second place just feels like old hat. It feels like it's been done. Well, it's happened three times in a row now. He finished third in the first race, and he's finished second three times in a row now. And, yeah, just like you say, it's, that's starting to get a little commonplace. It reminds me of, uh, I believe it was 2005, when Button had something like 10 podium finishes, you know, seconds and thirds, but never quite getting to the top of the podium. And at the end of the day, he's like, yeah, podiums are great, but I want to win. Yeah, certainly. And and now that Lewis Hamilton is actually leaving, leading the Drivers' Championship. Just, Which is incredible. It's just amazing. I mean, it's consistency. It's three second-place finishes is a lot of points. And then the third place, uh, he's he's really doing well. And obviously leading the championship, it doesn't get much better than that until you start winning races, I guess, and winning the Drivers' Championship. Yeah, well, speaking of winning races, I mean, we got to give Massa credit where credit is due here. Like I said earlier, Grand Slam, I mean, he owned the Spanish Grand Prix despite all the support they had for Alonso. I mean, overwhelming support in the crowd for Alonso. Massa um, pimped him in the race for pole position, getting him by just 30 thousandths, just took control of the race early, no problems. Just He's doing a great job. He's had three pole positions in a row. He's won two races in a row. He's outperforming Raikkonen now, we can say. It's not entirely Raikkonen's fault, but... Moss is doing very well, and it's not going to be Raikkonen's championship. Yeah, it really looked like it was going to be, especially if, uh, starting in the first race in Australia when, when Raikkonen just really did, did amazingly with it. I feel like where Massa struggles is really passing on track and having these really close moments with other cars. All four of his race wins in his career have been from pole position, and he hasn't had any of those astounding runs through the field, back starting last or starting mid-pack and, and working his way up. I feel like some of the other drivers, including David Coulthard and even Jensen Button, have had some really great just runs up through the field. And Kimi Raikkonen in his older days when he would have problems at McLaren early on or have to start from the pit lane or take an engine change, take a 10-spot grid penalty, 
and work his way up through the field, he would just have these amazing runs. And Massa hasn't really done that. You know, his it, definitely to his credit that he can get these pole positions and really he's like really good on a clean track. But I guess once he gets into traffic and really has to make some tricky passes, I think that's where he falters. Well, I, I don't think that's entirely true. I mean, let's go back to the first race in Australia. He he started dead last, and he finished sixth in that race. I mean, he got solid points for Ferrari. Raikkonen won that race and owned it and had control, but. He did go through the field, and he did collect points for the team, and I think he maintained his composure. I mean, I think he's really, you know, he had the stigma when he first entered Formula One of being a crash-and-burn type of driver. The incident with Hamilton a couple races back really kind of reopened that issue. And yeah, made it really looked amateurish again. again. You know, certain certain podcast people especially were thinking that. And, you know, I think... Honestly, I think he, he has that ability to go through the field. He's just been so quick that he hasn't had to worry about that as of late. Almost Michael Schumacher-esque. I'm certainly not trying to compare the two apples to apples here, but Moss is definitely doing well for Ferrari here. Yeah, he's doing he's doing very well, and you know. Also, I think we got to give some credit to Fernando Alonso for for whatever reason. This weekend, the combination of car and driver and tires didn't quite work out. I mean, he had a rough start, but I think he did very very well not to crash. And in the, the turn one, Shamazel, when he was actually he went really far off track, off into the gravel, he was sort of pushed off just by the the way the start unfolded. Nudged, nudged, <laughs> yes. And uh, went off track, came back on, and avoided contact. The Williams behind him, or the the BMWs behind him, did well BMW Sauber, not right. to not to run into him. And it just, uh, I mean, I was I was pretty well, amazed that everyone I was came amazed out of they that didn't pass them. I mean, the Saubers while are over Alonso, and then I was amazed they didn't get around him. So Alonso somehow not managed to not only keep the car underneath him after he goes four wheels off in the first corner, but he made his car two car lengths wide and kept the BMW Saubers behind him, held fourth place. Stayed in with the uh, Ferraris and his McLaren teammate and, you know, consolidated a third place out of it. I mean, it was really quite impressive to me what Alonso managed and whose fault it was. In the post-race interview, Alonso kind of hinted that he thought he had the corner and that Massa kind of nudged him. From the camera angles we saw, I didn't see that. I thought it was clean racing and I think Massa did a good job. I'm not going to uh, say that outright, but I think Alonzo was a little upset that this incident happened in his home race. He thinks he had a better shot at winning the race, but I don't know. I think he pulled off a pretty good result at the end. Yeah, it came out well, but that is such a disappointment, especially after the last two years of him just being the huge Spanish star that he is and defending a world champion and everything. And now, you know, all the all the Renault fans have now bought new McLaren gear and they've all got their new flags and their I know, new team colors. I know, they spent all the money, you know. And uh, and for him to just have you know be be taken advantage of by the Ferrari there and and you know he I think he did really well to keep up where he did but it is it is you know unfortunate that uh, he got pushed back and and ended up you know just not being able to win his home race. Well, let's let's take a step back here now. Between the two races, between Bahrain and the Spanish Grand Prix, which just concluded, um, there was reports after testing in Spain last week that Ferrari was dominating testing. They were fastest three out of the four days, and they'd gained, some claimed, half a second, which in modern F1 terms is a huge amount of time to gain in the car. Massa was saying the car is at least a half second faster than it was in Bahrain. And it was uh, what they claimed is that they were actually holding back due to the lack of knowledge of the new Bridgetone tire. And they were actually leaving a little bit of room to work with in the rear, almost saying they weren't bringing the fastest car they could to the first race 
And long story short, it looked like they were just going to dominate the Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering what you think. It didn't seem to me like they did. Massa had a good result at the end, but qualifying times, they were 30 thousandths apart from each other. Yeah, it was really, really nip and tuck in the qualifying. I and mean, it made for an exciting, you know, watching the qualifying actually was, was really pretty cool. I was getting passed and repassed and, and, and people moving up. Uh, it was really quite interesting. I was happy to see Toyota get up there as well as they did. Uh, Gunnar truly qualifying in sixth spot. For the short time that he was there. Uh, yeah, he later had to retire pretty early on in the race. But, uh, I mean, I really, wouldn't, I really wouldn't call Ferrari's performance in qualifying anyway dominant. Uh, Alonso figures that his, his race was over at the first corner. Once he got pushed off like that and back on, whether the, it was a little bit of damage that was done to his car or just the, you know, the mental uh, damage being done and, and you know, letting the car by and, and not quite being able to catch up with Hamilton and so on. But uh, I really wouldn't say it's that uh, the Ferrari dominated um, as a team. I mean, Massa as a driver to really come out there. But obviously, you know, Raikkonen having problems. Maybe they turned off the wick on it too much or something. They're, you know, that's not quite reliable. And they, they have been reliable in the past. So that's, that's a bit curious. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think Ferrari showed incredible pace in testing. But I think they were a little bit optimistic to say that they were going to dominate. And, you know, McLaren didn't, McLaren didn't have a much lighter fuel load either. I mean, they were pretty comparable fuel load-wise. They were pretty comparable in qualifying. I think this is still going to be a two-team battle throughout the season, which is fantastic for us as fans to have four drivers truly in contention to go for the championship for quite a while. Alonso said before the race that you're going to see two drivers stand out, most likely one from each team to battle. And I think he's right. There's you know, a few more races in, we're going to start seeing that it's really going to be one Ferrari driver against one McLaren driver. But at the beginning of the season here, who would have guessed that who would be, you know, on charge right in, on, on top right now would be Lewis Hamilton and Felipe Massa. Exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> sure, yeah, I, I, one Ferrari and one McLaren, yeah, fair enough. But uh, the way it's shaken out with the drivers is really pretty interesting. Yeah, let's talk about Raikkonen. I mean, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring him out because he was slower than Massa. But again, they said that there was more fuel on board his car. And he had perhaps a better race strategy than Massa did. He could go longer, he could pass him in the pits, then go on to win the race. Raikkonen is an all-star. Yeah. You know, people compare him, people say he's the fastest in F1, Certainly, arguably. Yeah, within the top two or three. I mean, yeah, Alonso, Raikkonen, maybe Massa now. <laughs> but now, that's exactly it. Look at Massa. Okay, he had a little bit more fuel on board, but Massa was also three-tenths of a second faster in qualifying. It makes me wonder how much more speed Raikkonen really has, if any. I mean, maybe Moss has just turned it on. Maybe he just fits really well this Ferrari team. Maybe Raikkonen's just had a bad race or two. But I don't know. It's starting to get interesting. It's interesting if he deserves that superstar status. I feel like, in again, with these sort of on-track, just really good battles, where you really see him one-on-one, you know, these dogfights, especially with Alonso and some, you know, Raikkonen can still make some really just amazing passes, really keep the car under him in situations that I feel like very few drivers can and I feel like Raikkonen still has that, that something um, where, yeah, with given a clear track and given all the best of conditions, Massa can certainly make it work. I feel like Raikkonen still does have some, you know, other tactical advantage that in, in, or just, just skill that, um, you know, in some situations that, you know, Felipe Massa or even Alonso, well, I think Alonso could do it, but Felipe Massa or possibly Lewis Hamilton wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to deal with. Right. Well, perhaps it's a snowmobile, snowmobile racing experience. I, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see because... I'm telling you, I think it's extremely exciting to have this uncertainty as we go into the championship this year. You know, it's there's not an obvious driver 
who's leading the team. I mean, again, let's look at last year with Renault, Alonso and Fisichella. No one put any money on Fisichella, and rightly so. Yeah. But now, I mean, Hamilton's leading the championship. You can't argue with results, yeah. Mr. Consistency, and he's the youngest. He's the youngest uh, rookie there. And it's yeah, the youngest man ever to lead the Formula One World Championship since uh, taking that title over from Bruce McLaren, the guy who founded the team he now drives for. So there's a nice, uh, nice you know, symmetry there. Yes, and again, I mean, his composure is remarkable. He he drives like he was meant to be in Formula One all his life, and I don't know. We'll see how he progresses along. I still think that he's going to hit some hardships. It's a combination of, you know, a good car, good luck, and things coming to better well. But it, it, Why I just, you got to try and jinx him like that? You're gonna, he's going to hit some hardships. I mean, come on. We'll see what happens. Maybe he has this dream season and never wins but finishes second all year and ends up taking the victory. I mean, we don't know. Maybe he'll start winning and it'll be amazing. But we, I don't want to jinx the guy. I mean, maybe I'm overly excited about it because he's the rookie sensation Lewis Hamilton or because – from being at that GP2 race where he made this incredible pass where everyone's going to be talking about that as the defining moment for Lewis Hamilton and, and whatever. But, uh, I mean, I, I'm really excited about the guy. It's all just going swimmingly, and, you know, why not? I can just, you can just go and rock out. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I certainly agree that this driver is one of the best rookies to come into the sport for a long, long time. But I, I'd still just worry for him as much as anything. It's not jinxing him so much as going – Guys, he's still a rookie. There's still a lot that can happen. Let's not let's not get his head too big too early. But if the McLaren team keeps supporting him as well as they have and doing just solid pit stops and solid strategies and and everything working out, I mean, you know, it's I, I think he, he there's no reason he can't just keep going going on and, and doing amazingly well. But uh, you know, we got to wonder. With uh, I would have thought the BMW would have done a better job supporting their man this weekend with Nick Heidfeld, but they completely dropped the ball or dropped the wheel nut, as it were. <laughs> Uh, in a and which style. wheel nut was it? Was it a spare? Was it the proper wheel nut? I mean, that's still a little uh, dicey. Yeah, I think I think they confirmed that it was actually the the original wheel nut, and that Nick Heidfeld, in fact, did a lap uh, his his outlap from the pits with no wheel nut on the right front wheel. Managed to keep the wheel on, which is impressive, and came back into the pits. But he was just you know fuming, and rightly so. He actually ended up having to retire later on with a gearbox problem that was uh, supposedly completely unrelated. But, uh, you know, he, he, Heidfeld has come out and say, this sort of thing should not happen. And I agree. I mean, there's really, of, of all the things that can go on with on-track battles and, and different things and, and, you know, even uh, race conditions and everything, but it's something as simple as, you know, putting the wheel on and tightening it down. It was a mixed signal from, from the right front wheel man. Um, he said he was okay, you know, to, to let the car go. And then he said, no, wait, and then put the, put the nut back on. It was just but that's not the worst some, part. some sloppy, just sloppy, sloppy work from the team in that pit stop. The worst part was not that. Mistakes do happen even in Formula One. What I felt was unacceptable was when he pulled out and they were waving at him, told him to stop, and a Toyota crew member was holding a spare wheel nut in his hand after it spun off down the road. And Nick Heidfeld sat there for a good 30 seconds just idling, sitting, waiting for someone on his team to tell him, should I stay, should I go, what's happening, is there a problem, isn't there? It took them absolutely forever to get him to go again or to stop and pull back. I thought that was just unacceptable, and that's where the team failed. Yeah, it really seems like they would have known, okay, hey, he doesn't have a wheel nut on that wheel. The Toyota guy's holding it. It just rolled down the pitway. Um, bring him back here. But they said go out and do another lap and come back into the pits. He was a car length away. 
Yeah, he and they was, had him do he was the next pit down. Why would they put him out on track and risk having that wheel fall off, getting the car stuck on track, maybe making a safety car period? I mean, who knows? Um, it, I just feel like just the, the whole thing just got so bungled there. Like they're, they're, They work well as a machine when everything's going, but as soon as something broke, as soon as one guy made a mistake or maybe two guys communicated you know, something pr- improperly, the wheels just fell off the wagon there. It was just the, the whole thing kind of was a jumble, and, and Heidfeld was sitting there. You know, He's in the car. For some reason, didn't have radio contact, whether he was using the hand clutch and couldn't get to the radio button or something the way the, the pits are. Or, you know, For some reason, couldn't get on the radio with the team guys, or maybe no one was talking to him on the radio. He was just sitting there wondering, what should I do And the team? I mean, it really just it fell apart, and, and you know, he's pissed about that, and I think he has every right to be. Every right to be. If, if you're a crew member and your driver's radio doesn't work, he can't communicate Run the 20 feet to the car and say, we want you to go, or we want you to stop and come back. I mean, this is, this is uh, egregious. Yeah, it's really a problem, and it's really too bad. I mean, he, he led the lap prior to, to, being, uh, to, to going in on, the, on that, that ill-fated pit stop. He's been doing really well this year. I mean, Nick Heidfeld, he, he's, you know, BMW is just outside the top four cars or the top two teams, but they're really close, and I think they're getting better every race. And I don't think it was that far fetched to see, a, you know, to to expect a BMW victory at some point this year, um, and to have them, you know, I think they're pretty solidly third in the constructor championship. So it's really unfortunate to see things like this happen. And uh, we saw the actual the right front wheel man talking to Nick Heidfeld afterwards, trying to explain the situation, and and Nick was just just fed up and just frustrated, you know, and it's, it's really too bad to actually have two different kind of failures on your car in the same race and end up just having it, you know, it all just go to shambles after such a good early on performance. Yeah. I mean, BMW could be like the green party this year to the Republicans and Democrats. They're not going to win the championship, but they can have enough of an effect to throw the thing one way or the other. I, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how good can BMW get because yeah, they are definitely, Securely the third fastest team. However, if you look at Nick Heidfeld's qualifying pace, it was a good half second off the pole sitters, good four or five tenths off Raikkonen and Hamilton. So, you know, they're still not there. There's still more speed they need to find. Yeah. But, it, uh, but they're, they're close enough. And, you know, some team that's probably not going to have any impact on the, on the overall world championship finishing is uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso and, and Scott Speed. <laughs> But uh, he had a, a brilliant start to the race. Started next to last because uh, Yarno Trulli had to start from the pit lane. But well, let's. Well, whole, I mean, Yarno Trulli was actually sixth yeah. on the grid. He had a great qualifying position. Yep. And then his engine stalled. Yeah, he had fuel which... fuel pressure issues, and uh, so his engine stalled as they were driving off for the for the uh, as it, as they were about to start the or driving off for the installation lap, and. Uh, and so, yeah, they had to, uh, uh, Arno truly had to start from the pit lane, which put Scott Speed, uh, you know, starting last on track. Yeah, but, he, uh, he was last, he was in the last grid position, but he was the 21st car yep. to leave the grid. But in one lap, made his way up to 14th spot. 14th, brilliant. Which is just, you know, working his way through. I mean, obviously on the starts, things can get dicey and cars can speed up and slow down. But just to get through all that and keep the car under him and go through all that unscathed is really great. But then just a few laps in, had a massive tire failure on the front straight and uh, and just, you know, just ended his day. I mean, it just, yeah, the, the whole rear, thing the just left rear disintegrated. Tire, the left rear tire detreaded and caused caused him to go off track and did some damage to the rear. And let's let's be clear here. He was 22nd uh, qualifying because he had troubles in qualifying as well. Electrical problems, yeah. And so he instantly shot up the 14th. He had a good, strong race, and then it just fell apart. It was just, it was absolute luck. And then Liuzzi, a few laps later, he also retired. Yeah. One other thing I noticed, um, yeah, Felipe Massa had the fastest lap. I think it's pretty easy to uh, 
to, to get that when you're out in front and, and have very little traffic and, you know, depending on the fuel strategy and everything, just wait till you have some light fuel and set a really nice fast lap. Hamilton was next, no big surprise there. Then Alonso, but then Heike Kovalainen from Renault was able to set a faster lap than, than uh, you know, than any of the other teams and even the BMWs or the, I mean, Raikkonen was up fairly early in the race while he still had heavy fuel. But, um, like, the Renault has some speed, but they just can't quite put it together. I mean, they had a wonky pit strategy. I think they ended up taking three or four pit stops. Um, they, they Like, we're going to run them out of fuel, and then they had to bring them in for a separate stop with no tire change just for fuel. So Renault still, it's, which is strange to me, seeing the defending world championship constructor team having these kind of issues and just sorting out the race and getting the right fuel load going and everything. But there's definitely some speed in that car with Heike driving it. So it, it's we haven't seen all, everything that, we, that it was expected of Heike Kovalainen yet. But, uh, you know, there's there's definitely something there, and I feel like he could get better as the, as the season goes on. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that because in between the two races here, uh, you know, Flavio Briatore went on record to say, this has been a huge disappointment this year. We have had a lot of trouble, but it's not our drivers. He said it has nothing to do with Fisichella or Kovalainen. It has everything to do with developing the car, which I frankly disagree with. You know, he was saying that, you know, the testing and developing the car isn't due to the driver's input. And what he was trying to say is that Alonzo's input wasn't any better than Fisichella's or Kovalainen's. Yeah. But that's not the point, Flavio. The point is that Alonzo could get more out of the car. Maybe Fisichella's feedback and Kovalainen's feedback's just as good, but... You know, they just had a better driver in Alonso. Now, Kovalainen, he's a rookie, he's young, but he has tons and tons of natural speed. We've heard that for a few years now. As a raw speed driver, he's supposed to be really good. So maybe he's starting to figure out Formula One and understand the complexities of the, you know, going a long, full length Formula One race, and he's starting to be able to put it together. Yeah. But the team as Renault is now, I think, is still lacking due to its driver lineup. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, when the when the team principal is saying that it's just developing the car, and, and like we spoke about in the last episode, how they really sacrificed this year to try to get the most out of last year, and then they started development on the car too late for this year to really make it competitive. I mean, I feel like it, it could be telling the truth, and uh, and that it's, I mean, I'm sure that the truth is somewhere in between at some some level of drivers and some level of cars. But uh, you know, there's talk of Renault just sort of giving up on the on the 07 season and just focusing on 08. But that, to me, I, I mean, I guess that's not a serious suggestion anyway. I mean, that's they've still got a long way to go, and they are actually third in the drivers' championship, if I'm not mistaken, or fourth, I guess, behind uh, behind BMW. Yeah, but they're behind. still in front of you know they're still in front of Toyota and Honda and you know these other teams. I mean, it's not like they're dead last or anything. I mean, Super Aguri's up there dicing with Renault now for for constructor points, which is funny, but. They're, you know, it's it's not a complete loss, and I feel like they're still, you know, if, if nothing else, treat them as test days and, and go on. But, um, you know, and it seems like there shouldn't be as much development that needs to go onto the car. I mean, we're in an engine freeze right now where all the engines, the the, the specs for the engines and everything were set at the be- at the end of last year for the engines they're going to use this year and next. So the development has to all be aerodynamic right now. And we are starting to see some interesting new front wing designs on the McLaren and uh, getting some of these double plane designs and some, some different swoopy uh, wings on different cars here, but uh, you know there's there's less you know they have less options for development. The tires are all Bridgestone, so they don't have this Michelin complexity going back and forth and the super testing and the you know trying to get every last bit of speed out of the Michelins versus the Bridgestones. So I feel like you know it, it's there there are there's potential for it to uh, you know be somewhere in between between the uh, the drivers and the and the you know, the, the whole rest of the team and the preparation for the cars. But, uh, you know, there's definitely some speed there. And, and I think Heike Kovalainen, it would be interesting to see if, if Heike starts doing reliably better than Fisichella. 
um, what what Fizzy would have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I just don't think Fisichella is quite fast enough to get the most out of the Renault car. I think Kovalainen still has tons of potential, tons of promise. Um, just like you say, I, I think it's a combination of both, and we'll have to see, you know, see as the season goes on if Kovalainen can really turn it on consistently and start uh, getting the Renault into the better position. However, there's a team that needs more work than Renault, hmm. and that team is Honda. I mean, here we have Sato finishes eighth, I'm sorry, gets a point. That is unbelievable if you look at the results for Button and Barrichello. I mean, here we are, Barrichello's in 10th, Button in 12th. Okay, halfway through the race, Button pits, and as he's exiting the pits, runs into his teammate. Hard enough to, you know, break the front wing off of his car. And have to immediately come right back into the pits. I mean, to me, this whole team is in disarray. They're in desperation mode, and, you know, Button's doing whatever he can to get ahead of his teammate, who's already mid-pack. They're both mid-pack, and now they're running into each other, just making more mistakes, and it seems to be compounding. They had four weeks to develop this car and prove that they're the factory team. They're the ones that should be leading the Honda quad, at least. Yeah. And Super Aguri, okay, I just have to say, first thing and the best thing Honda could do right now is put Sato in the factory car. Why not put, uh, I mean, why not just run last year's car as the factory car for this year? I mean, I feel like there's more of it in the car than it is in the drivers in that case. I think I feel like more of it's the development of the, of the team and so on. I mean, the fact that they have to try so hard because they're so slow, I think is due to more due to, to the, you know, the slowness of the new car that they haven't figured out quite yet. Uh, more so than, you know, I don't think Jensen Button's a bad driver. I mean, Barrichello maybe is getting, you know, a little older, a little, little less sharp or whatever, but... I feel like Button's still got something, and Takuma Sato, I think, is a great driver, and, and, and Anthony Davidson as well. And I feel like the, the Super Aguri team just has the better car right now. Possible. It's hard, to, it's hard to say, though. I mean, there's so many, so many factors when you look at, you know, with the different tires there's and There's so much wrong to look at. It's hard to pinpoint what's really going on. But I have to say I'm losing faith in Barrichello and, and in Button. I'm a big Button fan in general, but he just doesn't seem to have that fight he used to have. And Takuma... Year after year, I mean, he's never really been in that competitive of a car, and he's always fighting as hard as he can. You can just tell by the results. Yeah. He moves forward, or he crashes, or he fails. I mean, he, he fights. You know, gets a result or, you know, crashes trying. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Super Agurias did better than the, than, the, uh, than the Toyotas this weekend, and there was a, a Williams Toyota, you know, with Nico Rosberg finishing sixth spot. I mean, that's better than any of the Toyotas could yeah, muster. Yeah, good, good for Rosberg. That's a result he deserves. Yeah. At this point, it's possible that Super Aguri is going to finish ahead of Honda in the Constructors' Championship. I can't see. If I were the Honda CEO, I would fire so many people if that happened, almost at random. Anyone that had anything to do involved in F1. The first 10 people you saw that day. <laughs> I mean, you, how can you have the factory team lose to the team you're backing I, that, as a backup team? That, to me, is just incredible. Yeah, it's, it, it's crazy that, uh, that they're even dealing with that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, it's, it's hard to say, again, if it's cars, if it's drivers, if it's engineering, if it's you know, strategy, if it, whatever it is. But uh, clearly a lot, of it's, a lot has gone wrong over there, and they've got to they gotta work their asses off to get going. Yeah, I mean, this race was full of surprises. And one last one I'd like to mention is Robert Kubica getting a fifth-place result. 
I'm sorry, a fourth place result in the BMW Sauber. I mean, a real strong finish for him. Uh, you know, finally beating out Heidfeld, although that's because Heidfeld was out. But he, he deserved a good result, and he got it. He got a good result. I mean, I think that's because Reichen and Heidfeld were both out of the race. Not to try to take that away from Kubica. I mean, he was still in the race, and there's something to be said for that. But uh, I think a you know a sixth place would have been fairly fairly straightforward. You know, that's you know pretty average for for Robert. And uh, you know, he's I think a solid driver. Never quite does anything amazing, but fourth place, yeah, it's great to be able to hold on where the other guys couldn't make it, and uh, and to get some points for it. So good good for him. Yeah. And last but not least, I am very graciously going to tip my hat. David Coulthard, fifth place finish in the Red Bull. He drove that car brilliantly. He was aggressive. You're coming around on DC, man. Starting hey, to appreciate it. I'm telling you, you know, you you put a fire in his pants. I mean, this is what happened. First, they kill the brakes on his car, piss him off. Then they say, "Hey, dude, you're racing for your job. We're not actually entirely happy with you." I mean, that's what they're saying. Hey, you're you're not doing enough for us right now. And there he goes. He's back. He is driving. Really well. He was smart, but he was quick. That's the type of David Coulthard driving I want to see. He yeah. looked younger. Well, yeah, he's doing quite well. I mean, fifth place for him. It's it, it's always unfortunate to see the veterans, you know, in the back you know, and really floundering, especially if they're in a lower team or whatever. You know, to see some of these guys that used to, you know, used to be up there fighting for wins, fighting for you know decent championship positions, and to see him sort of floundering around. It's like I mean, Michael Schumacher quitting while he's not on a championship win, but right at the top of his game and really, you know, right up there with race wins and everything. He's certainly fighting for yeah. the championship. And, uh, and, but, you know, to see DC, if he's in, in Formula 1 for as long as he's been, I think 16 years in the sport, and uh, and then to just to sort of flounder around in a mid-pack team and not do well. I mean, it's, it's good to see him get a, some good results here and, and to, you know, just be happy with what he's doing. Well, I'd love to see him do well next race at the Monaco Grand Prix. It's two weeks away. David Coulthard owns a hotel in Monte Carlo, so I imagine he has a place to stay. And uh, that's going to be an absolutely fantastic race. Always is. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite races on the calendar. It's so ludicrous that they even race modern Formula 1 cars at that track, and I just think that's that's great. That's the best part. Yeah, so uh, we'll look forward to that. That's only two weeks away. No more of these crazy month-long breaks for a while. Thank and, uh, God. I'm getting a little nutty. Yeah. As always, if you have uh, any questions, comments about the podcast, questions about Formula One, anything in general, uh, send us to f- send them to us at feedback at F1show.com. And, of course, visit us on the website. You can leave comments on everything we post here and, and uh, find out more about the show and look up old episodes at F1show.com. Till two weeks from now, I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. We'll see you then.